Welcome to Questioning Work. Each of these conversations deliberately start with a question that we have been grappling with. The question might be something that many of our listeners have been thinking, but are too afraid to ask for fear of what it might reveal beyond the more comfortable ways of seeing the world. We believe that these questions will help us identify how best to engage and interact with the new world order and give us the opportunity to make different choices, choices that change the very nature of our work life. The conversations are unscripted and emergent. They start to name things and hold the paradoxes of our time. We have learned how to agree and more importantly, disagree with one another. We have loved getting lost together to find our way out. We would like to invite you into our thinking and our questioning. We don't come with answers or use our expertise to block new learning as we know work is deeply personal and workplaces are unique. So instead, we are here to do what it says on the box, questioning work. In this episode, we start to explore this idea and notion of location, where we find ourselves in this disrupted times, both geographically, but certainly in our sense of self. How do we find the ground underneath us? How do we center ourselves? How do we become visible to others in terms of our own location, our inner location, outer location? We move beyond pure geography to understanding identity and questioning self in terms of the choices that we make with regard to being seen and being visible. We recognize that location is fluid, that it is not stuck, that is something that requires us to be ever aware of how it shifts and changes and be responsive in this adaptive world to relocating ourselves, to reconnecting. We recognize that during this period of time, we have multiple platforms of connectivity, and yet the cues that we are using to locate the other, not as clear as they have been. We are masked in many ways. We need to hone our skills differently. We need to step into the space of attunement, of being able to listen to the other, to listen beyond just the words that people are saying to remove the masks, our masks and the others, and listen to the energies and the somatics, we need to ask different types of questions so that we can locate where people are. Um, we are also explore the idea of agency and choice to show ourselves in different ways and recognize that this can be risky business for many. Some might find that easy to do, and others might be I'm constrained in different ways. The idea of locating, relocating, connecting, and reconnecting is an important conversation that we are having today. Hi, CL and Terry. It's fabulous to see you, to see your faces on the screen, and to know that you, CL, are in San Francisco, you, Terry, are in Sydney, and I'm back in Africa. And there's something quite amazing about being in on different continents and in different places on different time zones. And I've been thinking a lot about how we locate ourselves, where we locate ourselves, and how we introduce ourselves in this virtual kind of disconnected time. 
And I'm keenly aware of the fact that we are in this adaptive time. We are in the liminal space, betwixt and between. We feel like we're moving forward on some level. And at the, uh, on another level, um, I'm sure many of our listeners, when they enter meetings or when they go to workshops, they're keenly aware that most of the people on the call located in different countries, coming from different spaces and time zones. And so the question that I want to bring to today's conversation is, how are we locating ourselves? How are we defining home? How do we ground ourselves? In our last podcast, we talked a lot about adaptive resourcefulness and building our own adaptive muscles. A lot of that has to do with how you place yourself, what grounds you. And so I'm coming to today's recording with the opening question. How are you locating yourself? How is the way you are locating yourself changing, evolving? And what is emerging for you as you think about the way in which you even introduce yourself in different fora or in different meetings or in different communities? Is that changing? And what are you noticing about what the word location actually means, what the word home means, what the word grounding means? So that's my opening question for you. How are you locating yourself? Where are you in this space? It's such a lovely way to start early morning in Sydney because it is the sense of you used location and ground and there is something about being attached to the place that we are, because it gives us a whole sense of meaning. What we found before is that when we came together with regards to working in organizations, is we gathered people in the organizational space. We gathered people within boardrooms or within training centers, and we pulled people away from the place that they may call home with an expectation that the organization then offers up another sense of familial space. What we have now is people being wherever they are and having to bring their whole selves pretty much into an experience. And I, I watch people almost either hide from it. So this is my experience with clients in terms of the virtual space, either hide their background or hide their sense of where they are in the world, pretty much embrace it. And I'm finding it incredibly useful from the work that I'm doing with clients that I have a peek into another location. Because in, in some ways, it's not just, it's a location, it's a background, it's a, a sense of where they are, but it's also giving me a sense of how they find themselves in the world. So I'm both loving this idea of we can be anywhere and holding in mind that that being anywhere means that we possibly are everywhere and that doesn't give us a sense of groundedness. So I'm still working on where am I located? Sydney's in lockdown. I'm located in a room in Sydney and my only movement is between four rooms in the house and that feels quite limiting. And it's, I know that when I see it through that lens, it feels like it's limiting my own capacity to be experimental and bold. So that's where I am at the moment. 
Thanks, Terry. And, and thanks for the question, Maxine. Something that has been coming up more often in conversations is just the first question is, where are you? And I, I'm noticing that every time you get on a call with someone, even if I've been on calls with them before, I always ask, where are you? Because I don't know, are you in the same place? Are you in a different place? I don't know, where are you? And I've also noticed that I've had to schedule lots of meetings lately and working with different clients and their, their executive assistants. And I've noticed that the executives who are doing the scheduling are always naming where I am to whoever um, else is in that email chain. And normally I'm in the same place in San Francisco, but I'm going to be leaving for a couple of weeks to go on a writing sabbatical. And I had this interesting reaction when I saw this email go out saying that I was in San Francisco. And I almost had a panic because I thought, but I'm not going to be in San Francisco. And now they have the wrong information because they had made the assumption because I'm always in San Francisco, that's where I'll be. And it's a pretty accurate assumption over the last couple of years. But because I'm going to this new place, I, th- I had this moment where I thought, they're not going to know how to locate me. I'm going to have to to let them know where I'm going to be and what I'm doing in a different way than I've ever had to sort of be explicit about that before. And I have to say, it's a little bit uncomfortable saying you're traveling during this time in history. And I've been actually a little bit uncomfortable telling people where they can locate me on this little writing sabbatical I'm doing, because it does sometimes come with a little bit of judgment. Or maybe I'm judging myself. That may be true as well. So right now you can locate me in San Francisco. The next (laughs) two weeks you can locate me in, in Europe. It's interesting, this question of location, because um, we've spent such a lot of time on this whole question of sense-making. How are we making sense of our context? How are we making sense of our organizations? Where are the cues? And because we hone our sense-making, particularly in times of disruption, the question is not just how we locate ourselves, but our search for trying to locate the other. Where do we go to for the cues on, in terms of locating the other? We locate them by their screen backgrounds. We locate them by their accent, by their faces. But we are really trying so hard to locate the other in order to form a relationship with them, to connect with them. And the search for cues, the search for anomalies and information in the absence of being able to sit and have coffee with them, takes up a lot of time as we ruminate and think about the people that we are connecting with and how complex it really is to not only locate the context, the whole systemic view of the organization and of the world, but the other. And we have this deep need to form relationships with people. And at the same time, it's not so easy to locate. Well, it's much more slippery. And, and it's so interesting when Ciela was, when you were talking, is I couldn't help but notice what was coming up in my body around. And you talk that sense of judgment. There was a, a yearning, a deep yearning to be moving, that sense of, of how do I be more mobile? And it's not just traveling across big oceans. But there is something about a location and a groundedness that feels like it's stuck for some at the moment. So it's creating almost a barrier to relationships, Max. It's creating the sense of 
it's heavier. And for some, it's lighter. And in terms of being able to make those or establish relationships that are fluid, that are learning, that are help us to see more, if I'm being deeply honest at the moment, I feel like I can only see it through one lens. It's like, it's not a groundedness, it is a stuckness. I love the idea of seeing people and recognizing that they're in different places and the potential of what those relationships can provide. And I've got to be very aware in creating those and establishing those relationships that I can see it from another, that empathetic step into the shoes of without all of this kind of yearning and possible almost on the edge of jealousy (laughs) that goes, I want to be there. And yeah, it's all very well for you to be talking right now, but look where I'm at. That kind of a a sense of, and I think it does start to shift the way we establish those connections. And I think it also brings up in me, and this is sort of this vulnerability space, it brings up in me almost a use of power that may not be useful over other because it's it's I'm not feeling I'm feeling stuck and not grounded. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm I'm struggling with creating those relationships and differentiating them between are they colleagues, are they friends, are they it's feeling stuck rather than mobile. And I've stopped us all in our tracks. <laughs> Which is exactly what I'm feeling is that I, I stop people in their tracks. And so that location stuff is so important and so essential to be aware of because you talk about the cues, Max, and I'm, I'm wondering what cues you are picking up around how we are engaging with each other right now in this moment. It's amazing. What I find so interesting, because Terry, I um, have been traveling and you know I've been traveling in different parts of the world. I must say that even in the process of travel, because everyone's wearing a mask, in a way, the mask also hides certain cues. So wherever you are at this moment in time, you look at people's eyes and you, on Zoom or whatever you use, you look at people's smiles. And in our last session, we talked so deeply about resourcefulness and sense-making as being the power, honing our listening. And so we are listening so much more deeply than ever before to the words people use and to the way in which they frame things. And I see an enormous yearning for relatedness. And something that uh, Ciela was talking about before we got onto this call is when we talk to people, we are yearning for a deeper level of connection. We're more aware of that particular desire to know more about each other, to understand a bit more about what's going on in people's worlds. And one of the things I really love about certain organizations is giving space and time for just talking prior to meetings, after meetings, or just setting up this unstructured time for people to really tune into where everyone is at, particularly as people struggle with their own mental wellness and particularly where people really need to be able to be talking more deeply about their lived reality. So 
I think that this is a time where we are fine-tuning many of our skills in terms of learning more about where people's contexts are, how they're located. And of course, it all begins with ourselves. It's absolutely true. I, I see this longing too. And I think part of that is, is because there's, there's no space, a physical space for us to come and be. And so we have to use the digital space for both things. And I also think there's a lot, there's more digital locations. And so you find yourself in multiple locations that actually require different ways for you to show up in different identities. So my view is that we've actually exacerbated or created more places where different shades of our identity or the way we work show up. And I can imagine it's quite confusing. Like the way you are in Slack, the tool itself demands precise, quick. There's not, yes, you can do, use humor and things in Slack. There's more emojis, this sort of thing. But it's, it's a quicker piece, piece. Email, we've all worked with email a lot. And there's different ways that people deal with email. Some do brevity. That's me. I had someone come back to me and was like, can you give me more details? Oh, yes. Okay. I'm on the brevity side of it. And I have other, have other people, you know, who are writing their novels in email because they want to explain more. And then we have the video, which is a place I think where people are saying, now I can see you. So where's the depth here? But we're all navigating, like, where are we located across these multiple platforms? And what are they used for? And then what, do I, what am I using it for? And how do I deal with these different shades? And it also increases the context for misunderstanding in organizations as well. Yeah, absolutely. We come back to, Max, what you were saying around honing our listening skills. And what it says to me is how do we start to listen with every part of ourselves? Because, you know, listening doesn't just come from what the words are. It's not the kind of, it is the energy that goes behind the words. It's the emotion that sits underneath the words. It's the silence. It's the spaces between different kind of ideas and all of that. And when you talk about different modes of communication in order to make connection and to make very quick connection across multiple locations and multiple time zones, my concern at the moment is what are we missing and what are we listening for? So how do we truly listen to locate the other? So I'm coming back to what you were saying earlier, Max, to locate where the other is at. And are we willing in a time of disruption where each of us has been impacted in our own ways to be able to hear the other rather than to tell our story? So there is this kind of wonderful dance between um, telling the stories and listening to the stories, holding somebody else's story and not letting mine overshadow it. And I'm recognizing that in response earlier, it was my story, not listening to the joy of the possibilities that Ciela has with regards to moving and writing and exploring. I was only located in self. And I think that part of our work together in organizations and this conversations that help us so much is to say, well, how do I see it and experience it with somebody else as opposed to separation? Because I'm recognizing in that last little sense of I'm stuck, actually, I was separating from you. I wasn't connecting from you. And um, we talk about the desire to connect, 
And so the art, and I think it is an art, of being able to listen to the inner, listen to the outer, listen with my heart, listen with my head, listen with my, with my entire body, is such a wonderful thing to be able to do because it will give us so much more opportunities to not just locate self, but to relocate with others, to relocate and reconnect. Because I think it is a time of um, not just connecting, it's a time of thinking about how we reconnect. So thank you both for reminding me that there are others and our stories are connected and that's important, but my story is not bigger than yours. Which I've been playing with for a while. And I would say attunement is sort of a macro view and listening is one piece of attunement. And so is asking. So there's a lot less cues to sort of listen to or see or sense. And so to attune over these multiple locations or platforms, I'm finding, at least for myself, I'm having to ask more and more questions to get in tune with the people that I'm with and even questions that seem maybe irrelevant. So for instance, I was on a a call this morning and I asked the woman, I said, how did you sleep? And I asked you too, I asked you too, Terry, how did you sleep? (laughs) What I'm noticing is that at least for me, when I don't sleep, it's very hard for me to locate myself. And then I bring that into the conversation that I'm in. And so if I can understand how did you sleep, where are you at with your cognitive energy, then it helps me understand how I need to be in that conversation to be useful to that person. This is not a question I would have normally asked in a corporate setting. But now I'm like, I need to ask these questions to attune to the context that the other person is in. It's the simplest questions that actually have the greatest impact. Because if you think about the question, where are you? Because that's where you started, Max. Where are you in the world? Where are you located? But if you sit with that question, where are you? And really go into, well, geographically, I'm located somewhere. Emotionally, I'm located somewhere. Physically, I'm kind of located somewhere else. We start to both see, A, the systemics, the connectivity, but we also see the fragmentation. And in the fragmentation, we are able with help, with support, because we don't do adaptive resourcefulness alone, to find ourselves another space. And isn't that what we're we kind of using some of this disruption for? Is what are the new spaces? What does the new world of work look like? What is the new ways of being in our organizations? How do we, I mean, everything we've spoken about on the podcast, how do we kind of find us our identity? Has culture changed? Do we need to think about it differently? So I love you started the question from geography, but the location is so much bigger than that. And of course, uh, in an organizational sense, this is where so many organizations and functions and departments posing this question to themselves, how are we located? Not just in the minds of our users and our consumers and our publics, our stakeholders, but how are we located and how is our location hindering us? Do we need to rethink our location, given the context and the times that we're in? And so I'm interested in how do organizations question, what do they do to make sense of their location in whichever way they describe location? And 
how are they using multiple perspectives to begin to to consider their location? And I know you and Sheila have been doing so much work in this space of looking at growth edge kind of practices and looking at the new order of things. But I'm wondering, what do organizations do to question their location? How is this changing? And how is this change impacted by the way the individuals who are doing this work locate themselves? It's going in so many different directions in my head. Are they trying to, you know, do the the snap back? And I'm thinking about location as an office space, for example. Let's just use that as a kind of case in point. The pulling people back into a space or a location where I can see you and be with you physically. And there's a whole sense of why that's important for many. And we've talked about it from a cultural perspective. I'm thinking about a lot of the clients that I have, and I'm not sure if that question has been front of mind. And I think it's an extraordinary question is how do we locate ourselves in terms of the services we offer, the products that we offer, the ways that we engage with our our stakeholders, our customers, our, our people within organizations? Has it shifted? Should it shift? What's valuable at the moment? I haven't experienced it yet. And it's certainly something I'm taking into the next client meeting is where do you locate yourself? How do you describe it? What is the not even the anchor, the anchor feels too heavy because I want some lightness in it. But where is the space for you and how do you utilize that space to create new and different kinds of relationships that the boundaries are there, but they're permeable. There are different types of boundaries that we possibly need to explore in this new location. And in an emerging, an emergent world and in the adaptive space, the way you locate yourself today might change tomorrow. And that's one of the, the complexities of, say, scenario or forecasting or strategy or thinking into the future. Is that, uh, I think those days are gone. And actually, all you can do is locate yourself in the here and now and work with what is today. And of course, that requires a huge mental shift, a whole mindset shift in terms of organizational processes. And it also requires a flexibility and an adaptability that says how we locate ourselves now. It's okay if we locate ourselves somewhere else in next year. So it comes back to that stuckness is that what I was talking about is don't get stuck in it. Someone once said to me in a we were doing some strategic work and he basically looked at me and said, let's just have a sense of where we're all at right now and the strategy will, rem- will emerge. If we can get really, really clear around where we are right now, we will be able to see something different. We spend so much time trying to imagine what's going to be happening years ahead that we forget the realities of the present. So I love that. I love the kind of idea of fluidity is that we cannot assume that because we are on Gadigal land today in Sydney that we'll be there tomorrow and that will shift. I suspect that location, the physical location will matter for connection in some way in an organization. And if we can un- 
lock ourselves from thinking that it has to have the utility it had before, which is I can see you so I know you're productive, to I need to see you so that a relationship can be built. Then it gives us more opportunity to figure out what does a physical location actually do? And I do see some organizations wondering about this. What is a physical location actually for? And Terry, like what you're talking about, you know, naming the land that you're on, because what physical location is for is heritage. And that can be what physical location is for in organizations. And you can then look to the tools and the technology and all those pieces for productivity and for generating outcome. So if we can think about the two things together and say, okay, it really is about a hybrid mentality. That physical location doesn't have to go away and it can be valuable. And I love the idea of some of what I hear organizations talking about now, which is, is really an equalizer, which is why don't we build sort of campuses where we come together, but across the world. So it's not, oh, come to headquarters and we'll find a conference room. It's like, let's create experiences in different parts of the world where you come and you learn the heritage of this place, the heritage of the customers and the heritage of the employees. So that it really is becoming this great utility against equalizing how we understand who's in the room. And then we're able to locate them in new ways and work with that. So I do think some progressive organizations are going to do some of this work. And some are going to say, just please come back to the office because that work is unknown and hard. But I will say, I think the longer that this goes on, the more variance we see, the less likely that's going to even be possible. So it's a false profit a little bit, but I see organizations are still, still pretending. Yeah, and I think that's because they they need people need certainty. They need boundaries. They need binaries. These people come back to work. Those people don't come back to work. This is how we're going to be working. Everyone must be uh, no email after six o'clock or whatever it might be. And I think that increasingly people are becoming more flexible with those requirements and advocating a particular position and then allowing the system to decide what works best for them. I love the way you've described that, Ciela. I think it, it harkens back to this idea of where do we locate ourselves and can that be flexible? Can we learn the tools to re, continuously relocate where we are in this present moment? And that's really the, the adaptive tool that employees are asking for. They're saying, give me a choice. And then maybe I want to take this choice right now, but don't bind me to that choice because maybe I want to take this choice later. And maybe I try that and I, I don't like it. And so I do want something else, right? But an organization is now having to answer to these personalized choices that because we were grounded, we got to investigate. Where do I want to be looking and how do I want to locate myself inside, but also in the world? I love what you said around heritage because there's such a wonderful sort of and, both and kind of sense in that there is the sense of wherever I go, I take myself. And yet when I go home, so when I go home to Africa, I feel like I'm home. So there's this kind of individual relocating, but I bring all of my biography with me. I think what's being enabled by this, this time is we seeing them both together 
people are located in their spaces, their homes, so to speak, as opposed to in an office environment. So we're seeing both the, the sense of who they are in their home with all of their kind of background and their, their life and what they've brought with them and in their workspace because they're, we're engaging in meetings and workshops. So these kind of blurring of those boundaries have both been exciting and interesting and intriguing, but there is something about, I can't hide who I am. I think there's something about people being asked to be found right now. That's really powerful to me. And especially as someone who's now external to organizations and I'm working with clients versus being inside an organization, I find that clients are asking a lot to be seen. Can you please see me? And also, can you help me find myself? Because I don't know where I am right now. And I can't figure out where this organization is right now either. There's something going on. I'm not sure exactly what it is. So can you help me find myself? An alternative perspective would be that some people have located themselves in the organizational systemic field in a way that holds them stuck, that keeps them stuck. So uh, there are also people who have located themselves in a way that actually has taken away all agency and autonomy. And so this idea of both locating the other, of being located, and also about how the way in which we locate ourselves uh, may hinder us or, of course, enable us, and the way others have located themselves or located me may also hinder or hinder my capacity to do what it is that I need to do. This is a time where, as you keep saying, Terry, where we have to name things. We have to say what, what is. Because unless we test some of these locations or some of these assumptions about how we are perceived to be located or how we locate ourselves, unless we peel back the layers and make these things explicit or challenge them, they remain sort of in muddy waters. And I do think they uh, impact overall well-being and effectiveness of the system. So how do we start taking off all the masks? Because there's just so many masks. There's always been that sense of, I'll give you this part, but you won't relish in the full kind of experience of where I'm located. A lot of the times we come into organizational systems and we don't, we only give a compart, we only give a part of it. So there is something you're saying, Max, around how do we strip back the, the mask and go, see me, so it's a visibility piece, see me for everything that I have and what I bring. Because when you say that, my entire energy shifts. I kind of go, this is extraordinary. I can bring I can be, I can be creative, I can enable, I'm no longer stuck, I'm no longer put in a box, I'm no longer assumed to be X, Y, and Z. And I think that when we kind of go through location, we often stereotype and we often put people in little roles and little boxes and we keep them there 
for the safety of, of what we think is themselves, but for the organizational system, it's much easier to kind of hold people there. I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to say that idea of take me for who I am, see me for who I am, could be quite a risky business. So there's a duality to that. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. And yet we talk about identity as a kind of sense of locating self. And how can I be my best self without holding all of those parts, without kind of bringing all of those parts, without having, and I'm not, I'm not stripping bare the onion, I'm not kind of laying myself out there, but to be able to have agency and choice that Ciela was referring to earlier around showing up, being located, and knowing it's not stuck, knowing that it's not, it's not forever. There's so many extraordinary pieces of the human being that we probably haven't tapped into that's possible. I'm just noticing in the conversation how I've gone from stuckness to a little bit of freedom with an, a recognition of the risks associated. So thank you. It's interesting that you say the word freedom. I feel like that's what is really the employee value proposition right now is, is freedom. And so maybe for you, Terry, it's living into the fullness of who you are and being with that. And for others, freedom may be let me hide pieces of myself and don't ask me to bring that to the table. Absolutely. It's risky business and it's also a tall order. These organizations haven't been built this way. And in some ways, it goes in direct conflict, a lot of what we've been talking about with the capitalist system. That's really about output and productivity. So I think it's worth us noting that maybe some of the changes that we're advocating for are not just changes in our individual selves and how we show up in the world, but also the conditions under with which organizations are pressured, because that's has a direct line to why those boxes look the way they do and why the people are located in an office. All that comes directly from a production mentality. That's big things to change. We co-create the ways, the dynamics. We co-create and absolutely, well, we could have choice around what we prepared to bring in and what we prepared to leave behind. I'm totally oversimplifying this. I know that. And I think that I can't help having this image of the box, the office box, that in my own mind, and perhaps this is this time where we are questioning everything and we are putting on the table the fact that we're bringing awareness to our location. We're bringing awareness to the organizational location. And we're bringing our, our attention to the role of certainty versus fluidity, because certainty is also a location. And in many ways, in this world that we live in today, the role of certainty is no longer a location at all. And so living in the gray or living in areas of liminality or ambiguity is perhaps our location. And so what do we need to do to be able to grapple with this not knowing? Thank you for listening to this month's episode. 
If you liked what you heard and want to engage in the conversation, go to questioningwork.com for practical tools and practices to enhance your work life.